In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis of all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the gold dome. Today, I'm joined by Tamar Hallerman, the AJC's Washington guru who transplanted to all parts of Georgia, really South Georgia, the last week or so. Tamar, how's it going? Good. Greetings from Sylvania. So we're both on the road as usual. Um, we've been crisscrossing the state with Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp and all sorts of star-studded visitors lately. So we're in the final stretch. So that's why if you don't hear us completely well, that's, that might be one of the reasons why. Uh, but we want to talk to you today about the latest and final, we, we think final, AJC poll um, of the governor's race, which shows both candidates as close as they've ever been. Um, they're both within two-tenths of a percentage point apart from each other, which is a statistical tie. And it kind of points to a potential runoff tomorrow. Exactly. We have a libertarian candidate in the race, um, Ted Metz, who only got about 1.6% of the vote in our third and final poll. But with neither the Democrat nor the Republican, and uh, with 50%, that could very well be enough to send it into a, um, into a runoff if no one breaks 50%. Our pollster, Trey Hood, kind of echoed what a lot of analysts are saying, which is basically it's going to have to be a super squeaker for it to be a runoff because all these polls still have undecided voters factored in. And our, our poll included had about 5% of undecided voters. Uh, those voters will obviously break one way or another or just stay home. Um, so it will have to be a really close race because the libertarian is going to probably hover around 2% or less for it to be a runoff. But still, there is that possibility. And the candidates, while they're not publicly saying so, they're, they're also planning uh, for a chance of that, they they stockpiled between them about $8 million of cash they still have on hand. Most of that cash will probably be depleted by the end of the race, but some of it might be ready and waiting if we do have to go to December 4th. Exactly, and, and, Brian, and, and Brian Kemp is going to have his, ha- his hands tied should this go to a runoff, right? Because uh, Governor Nathan Deal has called in a special session right after the election uh, to, to deal with Hurricane Michael aid and, and that sort of thing. And during that period, Kemp is not allowed to fundraise as a statewide official, right? Yeah, it will be a real, a real big challenge for the, the special session as actually goes as scheduled. There's, there's, there's a thought that the governor would just delay it until after the runoff, if that's the case. There's also a thought that, that Brian Kemp would have to re- resign as Secretary of State so he can raise cash because this special session will last at least a week. It might even last, you know, two, um, which would be about half the runoff period. Um, it's one of those – I asked Secretary Kemp about that, and he said, uh, essentially, I'm not worried about that at all because we're going to win this without a runoff. Um, and, yeah. you know, he is, the, he is the favorite here. 
uh, even with the polls being close, just because Republicans have controlled Georgia politics for the better part of the last two decades. Um, but Stacey Abrams is trying to transform the electorate. It's really hard for polls to accurately pick up on that. I've been on the road with Brian Kemp for the last two days. Uh, just now at this pit stop in Sylvania, it's his second of five or six for for the day. You know, he'd even told people, um, you know, don't necessarily believe the polls. He likes to quote his wife, Marty, who says, well, the pollsters didn't call me. They didn't ask me. And he asked the crowd, did any of the pollsters call you? And everybody says, no. Um, so, so the message he had is you guys are the poll. You have to go out, get your friends to vote, and, and show up on, on Tuesday. Um, so on the one hand, he, he clearly doesn't want to take anything for granted, but he's also uh, definitely emanating confidence going into this last weekend. And that's a really important point, because as much as Stacey Abrams has been talking throughout this campaign since she got in the race way back in you know, last summer, last spring, that she wants to transform the electorate by energizing a whole new core of, of left-leaning voters, many of the minorities who usually skip these, these races. Brian Kemp is trying to do something similar. He's also trying to go after a trove of unlikely voters. But to him, those voters are Trump supporters who showed up and forced to back the president in 2016 and rarely voted in elections before that. And that's why he's really focusing these last, these, these final stretch, really most of the race, on rural areas that, that Donald Trump won by 60, 70 percentage points. Exactly. I was with him Wednesday in, in uh, middle Georgia, south Georgia. Uh, yesterday he was with Vice President Mike Pence in Dalton, Augusta, and Savannah. And today he's doing a lot of southeast Georgia as well, really sticking to a lot of these small towns where there are a lot of um, very strong Trump supporters. Um, and, and he's, he's going to be rallying with the president himself on, on a Sunday in Macon. You're also seeing this with Abrams uh, over the past few days. She, she campaigned with Oprah on Thursday, and Obama's going to be joining her on Friday. So they're, they're really kind of leaning into their base as the number of undecideds has really kind of shrunk to almost nothing. You got it. Both of them have made a very calculated decision that this race is all about base turnout, not about persuading, you know, middle-of-the-road voters. They, they might choose either side, who knows, but it's about getting that core turnout to show up in force. And that's why Stacey Abrams is doing what no other Democratic candidate has done for decades, which is directly campaigning, directly being tied to national party figures who are loathed by the other side. I mean, you saw Roy Barnes and Jason Carter stay as far as they could from Barack Obama during the 2010 and 2014 campaigns when he came to Georgia for other reasons. Stacey Abrams is probably uh, campaigning with Barack Obama. And Brian Kemp is making a similar calculation. Um, you know, obviously Donald Trump won the state by five points, so he has a little bit more support here than Democrats did. Um, but he's, he's making the calculation that, hey, you know, any, any, any positive residu residual effect I get from, from, from President Trump will far outweigh any negative sort of uh, backlash that might have from independents who don't like him. And, and our poll data definitely reflects that as well. Um, I had a story last week about voter intensity, and you look at um, the number of self-identified Democrats who say that this election is more important or one of the most important in their lifetime, and something like 75% of them agree. Among Republicans, it's not that much lower. It was something, you know, at least two-thirds of Republican voters were saying the same thing. And those numbers were even higher among people who said or who considered themselves very much conservative or very liberal. Um, so that makes sense that, that Kemp and Abrams are really trying to, to motivate those core supporters who were already going to support them anyway. And the undecideds will break as they, they, they might, but our poll shows a very, few number, a very small number of them. And also it shows um, a very small number of independents, and that's part, partly because of the, 
the way the poll was conducted, it essentially said if, if someone's leaning towards one party or another, they're not really considered an independent through this poll's lens. Um, but only about 10% uh, of the voters were independent. And among those independents, Stacey Abrams had a pretty daunting advantage. Um, she, she overwhelmingly, she had an overwhelming lead over, over Brian Kemp. She also led Kemp among women, among um, college uh, people with postgraduate degrees and among younger voters, while Kemp had a big lead among voters 65 and older and among men. So we're seeing some of the same forces that have always shaped this race really tend to get reinforced the final couple of days. One figure I did want to highlight, though, is, is you mentioned that Abrams leads among women. That is true, but she does not lead among white women, which is a poll or which is a, a data point that we picked up on during our last poll a few weeks back. Um, Kemp is leading white women by more than 10 points. Um, I don't have the figure right in front of me, but that's going to be a key group this year for Republicans. Um, there are a lot of suburban white women we've been talking about, especially in these congressional races, who aren't exactly in love with Donald Trump and some of his more fiery rhetoric. But it seems like Kemp is picking up a lot of those voters. Uh, when you look at the numbers, the reason why Abrams is still carrying women overall is because she has such strong support among black women who, who really have been the, the, the backbone of the Democratic Party. She's locked up 95% plus of African-American women. That's what's kind of fueling the talk of there might be a blue wave, but there'll be a red undertow. Um, and the undertow, you know, the, in, in, in Atlanta's northern suburbs, you might see a lot of uh, Democratic crossover. Uh, you know, you might see a lot of these competitive districts flip blue, the state house and, and state senate districts kind of flip or, be, or at least become a lot more competitive. Um, but among white women in general, um, there is a, there's a, a huge base of support for, for Brian Kemp. It was nearly two-thirds, it was about 63% of white women back Kemp. And many of them come from outside of metro Atlanta. Um, these are solidly red areas where he's really trying to drive up those margins. Mm -hmm. and, and can we talk a little bit about what we've seen with some of the, the more down-ballot races? Again, the lieutenant governor's race, secretary of state's race, um, those were not, not nearly as close as the governor's race, right, Greg? Yeah, there's, there's also a lot more polar, uh, a lot less polarizing, I should say. Um, there hasn't been as much attention on them. Um, the ads are, there's a few scathing ads out there, but the ads are mostly positive. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, Republican nominee Jeff Duncan's final ads feature his son Ryder in a series of just you know, kind of humorous spots, uh, trying to make right or something of a, of a, of a campaign celebrity. Um, and there's still a lot of undecided voters in those, 10% uh, in the Secretary of State's ballot alone, which showed a very even race between Brad Raffensperger and Democrat John Barrow. So that's one of the other factors for another race. And the other one is Donald Trump's approval, approval ratings are, are kind of on the upswing, at least compared to back in January when he was at the, in the high 30s approval. This is the second poll we've seen him hovering closer to 50%. He's at 46 or so percent in this poll, and his negatives are still 50. So he's underwater in Georgia still, but he's in a better position underwater than he was just a year ago. And well, he'll be coming to, to Macon on, uh, on Sunday, so we'll be uh, watching him with his supporters there. And, and beyond the, the county, um, you know, beyond Macon City, he did really well in middle Georgia. So I expect to see a lot of enthusiastic supporters there. Yeah, exactly. He, he struggled um, in Bibb County, which is a, a pretty a fairly democratic, fairly large democratic stronghold, but all over middle Georgia, Houston County and, and, and neighboring counties all over that area um, is, is where Republicans also want to really drive up the vote. And, and, and look, for, look for Donald Trump to kind of echo what he said um, yet, uh, the other day in a, uh, in a press conference where he, he called, uh, without any evidence, called Stacey Abrams unqualified and and, and said that uh, Brian Kemp is the best choice.
Yeah, I, I asked Brian Kemp when I was uh, with him on the road about that, and, and he, he dodged. He said he hadn't heard it, but then he said also, I think I am more qualified for the job, but he didn't want to go much beyond that. Abrams also, um, more or less, right, Greg, has been kind of hesitant to attack the president directly. The last time uh, Trump kind of attacked her, she made a joke about how Trump must have seen her performance in the debate and how he probably thought she had won. But that's kind of the harshest she's gone against him, right? Yeah. That's been one of the more interesting um, aspects of this race because Stacey Abrams started a Georgia Resist website through the House Caucus that she led way back in 2007, early 2017. Um, it seemed to telegraph her intentions of, of making this campaign a, a sort of referendum against Donald Trump. But once she got in, formally got in the race, there's very little talk of Donald Trump. Um, if asked about his policies, she will answer them and, and, and she'll, she'll talk about why she opposes um, you know, whatever it might be you're asking about. Uh, but she does, she's focused on state-focused state issues on the campaign show. And you know what? More or less, Brian Kemp does too. You're not hearing him talk about the caravan. You're not hearing him talk about sending troops to the border to, to, to prevent illegal immigration. You are hearing him trumpet his support for Donald Trump, but, but he's also, I, I'd, I'd wager he's talking a lot more about Governor Nathan Deal on the campaign show than Donald Trump. Exactly. Sonny Perdue as well. He keeps talking about how if Democrats will win, the state will go backwards and how he, if he becomes governor, really wants to build on what Deal and, and uh, Perdue have, have built over the years. And it makes sense politically for him to say that uh, because Deal is the most popular politician in Georgia. Poll after poll shows that he has a high approval rating among both Democrats and Republicans. And voters, for the most part, in our polls said that they like the direction of the state, if not necessarily the direction of the country, which is also why Stacey Abrams brings up Governor Deal at, at, at time and time again. She does not agree with him on many of his policies, including his, his opposition to Medicaid expansion being the biggest one. But she always talks about how she was she worked hand in hand with the governor on criminal justice uh, policies and on some economic policies. And even her closing ads feature an image of the two of them shaking hands. Yeah, and we've seen Deal, you know, he only just recently started getting out on the campaign trail for, for Brian Kemp. Um, he was in North Georgia with, with Kemp recently, and I believe he was also there when, when the vice president swung through town last week, but that's kind of been about it, right, Greg? This is a late intervention in the campaign trail for Governor Deal, who was not an early supporter of, of Brian Kemp. He actually gave a very tepid endorsement to Casey Cagle, the lieutenant governor, really late in the race. Then he endorsed you know, camp right after he won the nomination, but fairly well steered clear from the campaign trail until the closing stretch. Now there's, he's unequivocal about it. He talks about how Kemp is the only candidate on the ballot who can extend his economic legacy and, and continue to make Georgia, as he likes to say, the number one state in the nation to do business. Um, and that's kind of Kemp's closing argument, too. While Stacey Abrams is focusing on what she opened the race with, a promise to expand Medicaid, Brian Kemp is talking time and time again about pro-business economy, about cutting taxes and cutting regulations and bringing more jobs to Georgia and extending what Governor Deal started. That's it. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a, a lot of that going forward in the last few hours of the race, and uh, <laughs> we'll be there to try and capture it all. Yeah, you got it. Check out politics.myajc.com and ajc.com. We have wall-to-wall -wall coverage of, of all this fun. Um, you know, if, if you want to catch up on what Oprah Winfrey or Mike Pence said in Georgia, if you want to follow Barack Obama's visit, follow Donald Trump's visit, and more importantly, if you also want to look beyond those, look at their policies. We've written extensive stories on just about every major political clash in this race, from voting rights 
to social issues, to city-state relations, transportation, you name it, we've written about it. Um, so read up on the candidates, read up on their, on their stances, read up on their fiscal policy, read up on the things that will matter most to you when you go to the ballot box so you're an informed voter. Exactly. We've conducted three polls over the last month or so to try and uh, take a snapshot of where voters are, but I guess we really aren't going to know until, um, you know, voting ends on November 6th. But, but stay with us. We'll have a live blog on election night. We'll also have stories on, on all the candidates and races and, and issues. So we'll be there. Hey, and tomorrow we got the final poll coming Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. A celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.